0: You're listening to Transform Your Profits, the podcast for accountants who want to build a more profitable, successful, and impactful accounting firm. Your host is Reza Huda, a practice owner, mentor, and coach to accounting firm owners. Hello, hello. I hope you're well. I've had a good start to the day. It's pretty cold here in the UK at this time of the year. We're just going to through a very cold spell uh maybe it's surpa- uh, uh, surpassed by the time you hear this i'm recording this early late january 20 odd uh, january and tempers are dropping kind of consistently every day to minus four minus five which yeah pretty cold for us here But hey ho we brave the cold we get on with things and at least we have our warm uh, offices or car as i am speaking into now to uh yeah to, to keep us from it so anyway subject for today is what really makes us profitable in brackets hint it's not looking at timesheets or something similar once i figure out what the best uh, subject line for this is but in a nutshell what makes us more profitable now the reason for doing this podcast is that i've been having quite a few conversations lately with uh With their accountants just like you uh, coaching conversations and this repeatedly comes up and i did uh, my usual videos on timesheets and how crazy there are and there are still many accountants which uh, still use timesheets perhaps they're not using it for um, billing purposes but they're still using it for working out whether they made a profit on a client or not and you made me one of those and you still think that by using timesheets it allows you to work out profitability on client and that's a uh, you know that is a that is a common uh, common thought to have it's a common belief to hold and hopefully by the end of this uh, podcast I will give you another way of it, thinking about profitability and maybe just maybe you might get ground to ditching that timesheet that you've been holding on to for so long thinking because that is giving you some kind of information when actually in reality it's not so I mean there are lots of things wrong with timesheets uh, you know from uh, from the fact that um, you know, uh, half the time they're made up. I mean, there was a poll, a survey done by someone called Ed Kless who works for the Verisage Sage uh, and um, he did a poll and 70% of people acknowledged and admitted to making stuff up on a timesheet. So at the very least, if some of the data in a timesheet is made up, how can we rely on them? How can we rely on them to give us the information that we want if the some of the data on there is inaccurate and made up? So that just be should be a starting with that in itself, should lead you to saying, okay, well, if it's made up then what's the point of the anyway? Other reasons are, you know, employees hate uh, filling them in, it's a chore to fill them in, most of the time they put on the timesheet what they want you to hear or what they think should have happened instead of what actually happened, and also that it focuses employees' minds on inputs, that if they've clocked seven hours, seven and a half hours on a timesheet, they feel they've done work, whereas in reality you should be asking, has anything effective been done during the hours that they've spent? And also, this seven hours, seven and a half hours, this typical working week of working 35-40 hours, stems from the Industrial Revolution, where we had to be in a physical place of work, or working, for that time frame in order for work to happen. Fast forward 100 plus years, we're in the digital age. We no longer need to be physically working for that amount of time in order for output to be produced. We are not robots. We don't work in factories anymore. The output of a knowledge worker doesn't necessarily have to take 40 hours. And research has shown that actually the our brain power the amount of time that we are actually productive in a day is no more than four to five hours so why are we making employees just sit there for seven hours to engage in busy work or just pass the time and fill in a timesheet when actually we should be looking more at effectiveness and outputs and outcomes rather than looking at the physical number of hours they are spending. We need to challenge all these, uh, you know, preconceptions that we have or misconceptions that we have about work and how work happens and really get to the core of, right, what do we actually want our employees to do? How do we figure out whether people are effective or not? And therein lies one of the other ways to think about this. That. You don't need to look on the timesheet to see whether the, your employee has done work or not. You don't gauge how well your employees do by looking at the recoveries on the timesheet. It's all about, you know, people management, you know, actually figuring out to get the best out of people. So if you're looking at timesheets to figure out, you know, who's the most productive, who's the most efficient, who is actually generating more profit. There are other ways, there are better ways of actually getting that kind of information, which doesn't come from a timesheet. Not everything can be measured. Not everything comes from a number. We as human beings, we are complex beings. You don't understand the worth of a human being by looking at how many hours they are clocking on a timesheet. There is much more to humans than that. And it all boils down to actually, if you want the best out of people, then you've got to create an environment which allows that to happen. I've talked on the podcast before about those three drivers of employee motivation, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. When people feel autonomous in what they are doing when they feel that they're in control of what they are doing when they feel that level of independence not being micromanaged not uh, you know always have someone on their case telling them what to do and how to do it and uh, where they need to be and how many hours they need to work and ask for permission to go off and uh, you know attend the doctor's appointment or to take time out to go and uh, pick up their children early from school or you know stay at home when there's a, a sick child or something like that people feel miserable people want autonomy they want that self-direction that's what motivates them more the other and the key one here is mastery mastery is all about getting good at your craft You know, for knowledge workers, giving them more money is not going to make them work any harder. What makes knowledge workers work harder is by knowing that what they are doing is actually helping them to get better at their craft, that they are utilizing their skill set, their internal geniuses to be able to do something that adds value to somebody somewhere whether that's you making your life easier whether that's to a client they feel they're getting better at something they're learning and that in itself gives them that intrinsic motivation to keep going to keep doing what they're doing because they get internal satisfaction out of getting better at something out of uh, utilizing their internal gifts and their geniuses working in their zone of genius that's what truly motivates your employees not giving them more money not threatening them with you know the carrot and stick approach another one is purpose actually ha- having some kind of meaning of what they're doing that they're helping somebody somewhere that they're what they do the work they are doing impact somebody somewhere and that is important as well so that's how we get the best out of our employees <clears throat> by letting them do and putting them in the right seats you want to get the right people on the bus and then you want to get the right people on the right seats so actually getting to know them as individuals because you know a times you might tell you that John has spent you know five hours on a set of accounts when you think it should only have taken three hours and therefore you sit down with John and have a go at him for spending too long on the job but actually you know where do John's uh, strengths get evaluated the fact that he's great on the phone he's got really good customer service that clients love him But he spends a bit longer on, you know, jobs, for example, on what appears on the timesheet. The timesheet doesn't give you that information about John, which is actually much more meaningful to what you want to achieve as the practice owner to deliver those experiences and the client support and being there for clients and going the extra way and your team helping each other out. Where does John put all that on the timesheet? If all you're looking at is you know that uh, actual uh, uh, time spent on a client, and then comparing John's worth to what he puts on the timesheet, it's not there. You're you're trying to you're using the wrong measuring tool for what you actually want to measure. And as Ron Baker says, it it's like using a ruler to measure the temperature of you know. The, the oven of your cookies, you know, how, um, uh, the temperature of whether your cookies are, are done using a ruler to do so. It's the wrong measuring tool. We don't use timesheets to help us to do that. So somebody's just trying to cut me up. <laughs> We're talking about this is how you get to see whether your employees are actually being productive or not. It's about getting to know them as individuals, about placing them in the right places for them to be able to utilize their strengths. How you get profitable is a two-pronged approach. Now, listen to this carefully. If you just understand this, it took me a while to figure this out, but the penny dropped after hearing Ron Baker, after looking at, after reading the books by Reginald, um, uh, Reginald Smith. Is it Reginald Smith? Yes, Reginald Smith. The guy who wrote lies, damn lies, and cost accounting. So everything you ever knew about cost accounting and why we use time sheets and all that kind of stuff will be thrown out the window when you read his works. Uh, I believe it was Rachel Smith. If not, if it's not Rachel Smith, just check out the title of that book. It's definitely called Lies, Damn Lies and Cost Accounting. If you can't find it, message me on LinkedIn. But that will blow your mind in terms of the whole notion of cost accounting goes out of the window, in that it's a completely uh, pointless concept. It's all based on assumptions and doesn't actually give us the information that we want to be able to serve our customers better or to make more profit or to you know add value in our clients lives it doesn't make us do any of that it's, it's the wrong measuring tool completely so in a nutshell how do we get how do we make more profit simple keep go back to basics okay you want to maximize where you get in at the top end what that means is you're working with the right type of clients and you're charging the right fee so it's all about pricing and positioning remember my four pillars Pricing, positioning, process and people. So pricing and positioning go hand in hand. If you have positioned yourself in the right way and you are attracting the right type of clients by going going narrow and going deep, by specializing, by picking a niche, you're adding more value, you're projecting more value and therefore you're gonna get the right type of clients and then you're taking a share of the value that you create and the value that you project through your pricing, through the pricing systems that you've been put in place that we have talked about before that's how you generate what comes in at the top end okay then you look at well how do we maximize profit well you then minimize what goes out at the other end in terms of your costs how do you do that you slow down the rate at which you take on cost okay so in essence we only generally have three types of costs we have our people costs we have our uh, uh, overhead costs, in terms of our establishment costs, rent rates, all that kind of stuff, uh, if you're working from an office. And you have your software costs, which is a large chunk of what we do. So really, there's only those three things that we have to consider. Okay? Whether we get... and trying to then apportion and allocate each of those costs to a particular client is nonsensical. We're trying to force math with just which doesn't exist. And if you want to know more and go deep on that, then... Go and look at the works by Reginald Smith, because he will explain it much better than I can. It's like saying the analogy that I remember him giving, and which I think back to when I think about this, is that we have, it's like when you have a you have a phone plan and you pay a fixed amount for that phone plan. You pay £30 a month or $30 a month for your phone plan and that gives you unlimited data, unlimited minutes, etc. It doesn't give you international calls. So. If you want to know what the cost is of an entire international call, you know that because there is a pence per minute which your phone company will charge you for making an international call. But if I asked you, what is the cost of the local call that you made yesterday? You wouldn't be able to tell me because then how do you apportion it by? You haven't, you're apportioning by the number of calls you have made, the amount of calls you're about to make. You're spending that much money anyway. It's impossible for you to then apportion that particular call by the amount that you are paying because you're paying that much anyway. Similarly, you're paying a fixed amount for your costs. You're paying a fixed amount for your people, you're paying a fixed amount for your rent and rates, and you're paying a fixed amount for your software. So regardless of your clients, and regardless of the 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 number that you see on your timesheet that gives you a so-called profit or loss per client, whether you, if it showed you a loss, okay, let's say, for example, client A, showed you a loss if you didn't work for that client and you sacked that client would you would you save that money no you wouldn't because you're spending that money anyway you've already you've got that you've already you've you've employed that particular person on a salary and you've got their cost anyway so that loss isn't going to disappear you're not going to make more money by getting rid of that client Yes, there probably is a reason why you should get rid of that client, but it's not going to be for the reason that it that the timesheet shows you that you're making a loss because there are other things to consider there are lifetime value to consider, for example. So you need to reframe your thinking in terms of the profit and loss that you see on your timesheet is not a true profit and loss figure because a it completely has nothing is uh, ignores customer lifetime value we are fortunate to have clients that come with us for 5 10 years 15 years just because you've spent too much with a client one particular month if that client stays with you for 10 15 years and refers you clients in the meantime how much is that client worth to you lifetime value doesn't appear on the timesheet so Timesheet is not a tool to work out profit or loss. Rather, what you want to do is you want to look at maximizing what you get at the top end. And that's about having a pricing system in place and making sure that you can run all your clients against that pricing system. And the ones that don't quite meet your pricing, uh, your minimum pricing or what they should be based upon the system you've set up, they're the ones you need to have a conversation with. That's how you do it. You don't do it through how much time have we spent, because that is not the gauge through which you are going to, generate profit loss that is not the gauge through which you generate customer outcomes and customer results clients don't care how much time we spend clients care about the results the outcomes and solutions you need to get better at figuring out where do you add the most value to which clients do you add the most value and and then set up a pricing system that enables you to take a share of that value and that pricing system then becomes your benchmark to then put through other clients through that pricing system see that number that comes up and that needs to then be your gauge as to whether you continue working with those clients or not and in terms of the uh, you know minimizing what goes out at the other end that's all to do with slowing down the rate at which you take on cost so how do we do that in practice well if you think about if you think about it that if I have uh, X amount of people on the payroll okay but Uh, my pricing is not on point. If I'm pricing too cheaply, then I'm going to need to hire more people much faster because I'm going to get lots of clients coming in, not paying me very much, and my existing people don't have capacity, and therefore I'm going to have to go and recruit. So I am having to take on cost much faster. Contrast that with having higher prices. So you've got fewer clients coming in, but you've got higher quality clients coming in. You've got higher value clients coming in. That's one way that you can minimize and reduce the rate at which you take on cost. Another way you can do that is by specializing, by niching down. Because when you niche down, then you'll find that you become a lot more efficient. Your people can take on more clients per team member or per pod, however you are structured, because it's much more efficient to for them to deal with an extra client in the same industry where they know exactly how to deal with them they're much quicker at being able to set up the chart of accounts and doing their bookkeeping doing their you know, managing the issues that come their way answering their questions is at the top of their mind and do loads of research because they've already been there and done it for other clients in the same sector in the same niche so that's how you generate that efficiency, by leveraging the intellectual capital within your team, uh, by getting everything out of people's heads through processes, through sharing of knowledge. That's how you make everyone more efficient. That's how you become more efficient and ultimately how you become more profitable. So in a nutshell, how would you get more profitable? It's not through looking at timesheets, because that's not giving you the data that you think it's giving you. The way you become more profitable is maximize where you get on the top end. It really is. Go back to basics. Look at your PL. Look at your PNL, uh, even though that's kind of after the effect, the effect after the event type of thing. Um, look at what comes out at the bottom. You don't need timesheets to tell you where they're making money or not. You look at the timesheets. Uh, you, you look at your PNL, and actually, there is a difference. If you go and listen to the podcast I did with Reginald on my podcast, uh, on this podcast, uh, a few episodes back, I can't remember the episode number, but we talked about you know the difference between making money. And making more profit. You and I know that you can conjure up a profit figure because it's all to do with using, you know, generally accepted accounting principles, and you can slice and dice things sometimes the way you want. Creative accounting, you can show a profit even though the company hasn't made money. Question is, do you want to make money, or do you want make profit? If you want to make profit, then, you know, we want to make both. But essentially, when we are making decisions about whether to hire, about whether the clients we are going to take on. We need to be looking at how can I make the most money and then make decisions based upon that rather than trying to look at the timesheet to give us information which is not actually giving us. So, in a nutshell, how do we drive profitability? We maximize what we get at the top end by focusing on our positioning and our pricing, getting the right clients on board, paying the right fees, and by minimizing the rate at which we take on cost by. Again, similar sort of thing by being uh, really clear on who we take on so that our people are not bombarded by having to work across 49 different industries and therefore stretch from pillar to post and having to research things all the time and not being able to put in consistent processes because they don't uh, work uh, deeply with anyone and therefore don't actually. Uh, you know, develop any specialisms or efficiencies by working across one or two particular sectors. And also, you know, we don't, uh, human beings are not robots, human beings are human beings. So we need to look at individuals, we need to look at harnessing people's strengths, putting the right people on the right seats, in order to make sure that we are getting the best out of our people, understand them as human beings, understand what really drives employee motivation, and that will help you to get the best out of your people and ultimately make them more productive if they are more engaged in what they are doing so hopefully that was helpful and you have a clearer idea on how to make more money and ultimately more profit but i appreciate it's not going to come easy stick at it maybe I appreciate this, uh, in my thoughts perhaps may have been a little bit all over the place in this particular session, but hopefully I've repeated it enough times for you to know that actually timesheets are not giving us the information that we need. And we need to look at profitability from a different perspective entirely, and basically just get rid of or rethink the way we've been taught to do things, because that is not the way. And uh, we need to do things in a different way in order to make progress, but definitely go in, maybe re-watch, re-listen to this particular episode, and then go back and listen to the episode I did with Reginald, and that will really get you thinking in a different way. If you really want to make money, then you need to think about your practice in a different way, rather than clinging to what you see on the timesheet. So, love to hear your feedback, let me know, send me a message on LinkedIn. Otherwise, I'll catch you on the next episode. Take care. I hope you got value from that episode. And if you want to spend more time together, where we go deeper on topics like pricing, marketing, sales, building a team and processes so you can build a firm that is less reliant on you, then come and join the TYP Mentoring Community. It's my membership program where I deliver practical mentoring sessions from my personal experience of building my practice and share resources that I have created and use in my firm so you don't have to reinvent the wheel and waste time and money making mistakes like I did. There's an amazing community of 100 plus accountants that you get to meet every week, share challenges, best practices, and use the power of the group to shortcut your learnings. Go to www.resahoodle.com forward slash mentoring to find out more. Thank you for listening.